We are Crossroads Grace Church. Our purpose is to lead people to discover Jesus and follow him fully. Today we have guest speaker, pastor, and author Bo Chancey. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are challenged and encouraged by this week's message. God says you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are rotten. 
So God, he just lets us know, hey, you're under a curse. Your whole nation, because you're robbing me, I'm sure you can look at our nation. You look at our national affairs. Does it feel like we might be under a curse? Of course it does. All the division, all the anger, all the, the, the fighting, all the rhetoric, and all the nonsense, that's just, that's just symptoms of the curse. You're under a curse, your whole nation. Why, God? Why are we under a curse? Well, he says, well, I'm going to shoot you straight because you're, you're robbing me. And then, and then they ask the question in Malachi, well, how are we robbing you? God says, enticing and offerings. You're robbing me. Now, the reason this is such an important issue for God is because this robbing of God of tithes and offerings is really symptomatic of a larger problem. It's symptomatic of a problem of idolatry, of worshiping another God besides God. And the issue of idolatry is such a problem because when we worship an idol, then we have identity confusion. And God doesn't want that. God doesn't want us to have identity confusion. He wants you and, and me and all of us and our, our community and in our nation. He wants us to understand who we are, that we are children of the Most High God, created by Him in His image to be in an eternal relationship with Him. Because that's fantastic news. He doesn't want us to be confused. Who am I? What am I here for? He says, I want you to know who you are. That you're my children. And you belong in my household and in my kingdom. And I have a place for you and a calling for you. But when we rob him in tithes and offerings, that's, that's symptomatic of worshiping another God. Putting something else ahead of him. And that is idolatry. And that idolatry creates identity confusion. Now, we're not the first people to do this, by the way. And money might not be your number one idol. It might be the god of sex. It might be uh, the god of you know, materialism. It could be uh, a god of addiction. There could be all kinds of other gods that, that buy for your heart. But what God's saying is, if you give me the praise and worship and honor that I am to have, and only I am to have, and then you begin to understand who you are in relationship to me, and you'll step out of that curse. God's not cursing us. He's offering us blessings. We choose the curse. We're not the first. You go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. You got Adam and Eve there in the garden, and they're living in the fullness of the blessing and the fullness of God. God was with them in the garden, and they have this relationship with one another and a relationship with God. And God's got one rule don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One. What do they do? They totally blow it. They totally blow it. And then God shows up. Oh, it doesn't just let it slide. It's not like, eh, I'm going to let that one go. Because he loves us. He's a loving father, and, and it matters. And he says, okay, now we've got a problem. This relationship is, is broken. And Adam, you're not going to understand who you are because you don't really understand who I am. And so he goes to Adam. He's like, Adam, what would you do? And Adam does what we all do. We start playing the blame game, which is what we've all already done. We're like, well, we'll ties and offerings. I mean, it's not my fault. If I made more money, I would give ties and offerings. If my parents had raised me different, I'd give tithes and offerings. Yeah, I mean, if churches used the money better, I'd give tithes and offerings. We've got all our, our blame game things ready to go. Adam is ready. God shows up. Adam, what'd you do? And Adam goes, me? You're asking me what I did? It was that woman <laughs> that you put here. He blames Eve and God. It, right out of the gate. In the same way, like, you hear we're under the curse, and, and you're like, oh, I'm out. I'm leaving. Forget this. I don't want to hear this nonsense. Of course you don't. When you're in the curse, 
curse, and it went on staying in the curse, so you can really get interested in, in the pathway to blessing, which is this beautiful obedience in God and exalting Him. And so when God says, hey, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me, He's like, there's a, there's a way to fix this. It's a really cool way to put everything in its place. So how do you know if you're living in under, under this curse? Well, one of the diagnostic tools I have is this question. What's your magic number? What's your magic number? Now, the, when I ask what your magic number is, it's, here's the thing. How much money will it take to make all your problems go away? Now, no, in Elisha, most of you just roll well, that's not possible. No, 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 you, you have a number. There's a number in there somewhere where you're stressed, you're worried, you're anxious, you're fearful, and you're like, look, I mean, honestly, if I just had this, then everything would be cool. I wouldn't feel like I was under the curse anymore. If I had this amount, then it wouldn't feel like a curse anymore. If I just had this number, it wouldn't feel like a curse. What's your magic number? Figure that out. Find it out. Because if you don't have one right now, you're probably going to have one tomorrow. It's going to come up. And sometimes, like, I've met people who are like, well, if I just have a thousand bucks, it's all I need. It's not a lot. It's just a thousand. And, and this, this would be fixed, and I can handle this. Somebody would be like, a thousand bucks? What are you talking about? I need ten. I need 10,000 to see if we begin to get my head above water, and if I can get my head above water, well then I get my finances in order, and then I can, can trust God and worship Him and tithes and offerings and, and get off from under the curse. And others are like, ah, $10,000, I need 100 grand, 100 grand, That's the way this false God works. Because it's a false God. It never satisfies, it's never enough. And so we begin to look to money to do things that money can never do. We think it'll make our problems go away and fix our marriages and ease our stress and make us healthy and save our businesses and hold our families together and, you know, um, retire our, our debts and, and everything will just be great. We start worshiping a number. We start pursuing it. Now, that number then becomes the thing that makes the decisions for us in our lives and we're under the curse. Exodus 20, verse 3. God says, you shall have no other gods before me. He's really clear on this one. No other gods. None. It's, it's just him. And then in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So we go from Adam, where God gives him one commandment, God delivers the Israelite people, and he starts unpacking his law for them, and one of the big ten was, you shall have no other gods before me. And then throughout the Old Testament, you have 600 plus Old Testament commands, Jesus comes in and says, all right, I'll summarize it for you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. In fact, he said, all the law and the prophets hang on this. This command of love, to love God wholeheartedly. But this magic number business, this idolatry business, creates identity confusion, and it breaks the heart of God. God doesn't need our, our money. It's His anyway. He has it all. The issue with this is when we put money in its proper place and we trust God with this, we're declaring, you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And we walk out from under this curse. Guys, we call money a blessing and then treat it like it's a curse. It's so true. Somebody gets a, a pay raise at work, and what do we say? Well, that was a nice blessing. A bonus check. Well, look at that blessing. Somebody gets a new car. Well, they're really blessed. Who says? 
That new car, that, that, that additional amount of money, these things are producing curses. We're, we're living under a curse, and we all know what it feels like when there's this identity issue driven by the idolatry. Then it's a curse. Money, that's all money will be. It can never be a blessing in that scenario. It's not. It's, it's like um, when you go to work, what how people think about their jobs. I'm going to go to work. Okay, I'm, like, you know, on Monday, I'm going to go to work. Are people like waking up Monday morning going, yeah. <laughs> Jumping up before the alarm going, it's Monday. I'm going to get my work on. Love work. No, because we're taught it's a curse. Work's a curse. You hate your job. You go there and you're miserable. And when this is the point, God has strategically placed you in this, in this job that is providing a source of income where you can produce something and be around other people and share his love in this dynamic space. You're there. And they're actually paying you to be there to share God's love with them. And we hate it. Why? Because it's a curse. We've got an idolatry issue which drives an identity issue. When you check the mail, you excited to check the mail? No, because when you open the mail, what's in the mail? Bills. I hate them. Bills. Mm. Bills. Curses. We open them. How about if we start opening bills and you're like, yep, I can pay that. Jackpot. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go. Another one. Yep. Love using that electricity last month. Man. I'm going to do it again. It's a curse because we've got the wrong God and that idolatry drives a, an identity issue. Guys, the best way to really explain this is when you look at your paycheck. When you look at that number there and you go, it's not enough. It's not enough. I'm worth more than this. I'm worth more than this. See what's happened right then and there is our identity is so tied up in that number that we can't see what God sees when he looks at us. <coughs> You are his child. He's got an eternal kingdom. His kingdom. That is far greater than anything this world can ever provide. And he declares blessing over you and invites you in obedience to step into his blessing. So let's just walk out of curse. We leave this magic number business behind us because money makes a terrible God. Terrible God. Never enough. And it's never satisfied. So what happens is, is when we worship God and money, we end up with divided hearts. And what divided hearts do is this: divided hearts multiply curses. It actually multiplies the curses. When our hearts are divided, then the curses get even worse. And then we hand them down to others. We hand them down in our families. We hand them to our neighbors. We hand them to the people in our churches. And the curses are multiplied and the blessings are left behind. And our God is a jealous God. He's a jealous God. Do you know that? Like in the best possible way. Not like in the you know, jealous girlfriend sense. Yeah. Like it's like, man, I want to go. Like, 
I want you to be with me completely. And he's not interested in sharing us. In Matthew verse, chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is like crystal clear here. It's like, here's the problem. When our hearts are divided, the curses multiply because you can't serve two masters. And so what we do is we think, no, it's fine. Like, I'm going to separate God and money. God's not interested in money. Yes, he is, because you're interested in money. And so it's ridiculous to say he's not. So we try to separate it, but it doesn't work. We end up dividing it. It multiplies the curse. What God's saying is stop separating it. Come to me. You can't serve both God and money, and you can't use money to serve me. And it's, it's a powerful change. Because divided hearts, man, they're just living under the curse. Think about what divided hearts are. When we think about divided hearts, look at this. Divided hearts are these things. Uh, next one. Okay. I'll tell you what they are. <laughs> they're exhausting. Divided hearts are exhausting. Because there they are. Thank you. Divided hearts are exhausting. Because they're running around trying to please two masters. They're anxious because they're wondering out which master is going to win out. They're fearful. You know, is the other one going to find out about this? They're angry and they're guilty. Now look at these words. Right here, 
chapter 5, verse 16. It says, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is gone. Guys, I, I hope you'll hear that. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new is gone. You have the opportunity to, to live this out. That there is a transformation that's happening on the inside of who you are, the core of, of your being. This is not about behavior modification, saying, all right, I'll change my behavior and that will change who I am. God's already saying, let me change who you are and that will change your behavior. I'll change your heart. Money makes a terrible guy. You don't want to live under those curses anymore. So don't expect money to do that. But if you expect God to do what only God can do and then you offer yourself fully to him, he transforms and changes the heart and we move out of this, this curse and we begin to, to live in, in the blessings of God. So there really is just, just one key question. Who is number one in your life? Who is number one? You can't serve two masters. You can't serve both God and mine. Who is number one? How do you make your decisions? When it comes time to, to make a decision, where you live, where you work, where your kids will go to school, what you'll buy. Are those questions dictated by the Almighty Dollar or by the Almighty God? Do we even ask God on those things, or we just assume God doesn't really care, He's not really interested, this is my money after all, I'll do whatever I want with it? See, the decisions that we make in this life are reflective of the Lordship of Jesus in our life. And if he's truly number one, then, then a lot of the decisions we make aren't going to be the same as they were before, but they're also not going to produce the same cursed results as they did before. They're going to start to bring blessing. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus said, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourself treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. God wants your heart with Him. Put your treasure there too. And your heart will follow. When we live under that curse, we're not keeping anything anyway. It's all temporary. It all goes away. And so what God is inviting us to do is to really have to be Lord of our lives, to deliver us out from under that curse and into his blessing, so that we begin to understand not only who he is, but who we are in relationship to him, and who he created us to be, and that change that has happened on the inside, that new creation that is just pounding right now, saying, let me out, let me out, break through the curse, let me out, let me live this out. And then you're free to go on the offensive. You see, we get so defensive when it comes to talking about money in church, don't go there. You know, I, I, I knew that's all the church ever talks about. Like, listen, like maybe you're here and you're like, I've been to church four times in my life, and all four times they were talking about money. Well, God's probably trying to tell you something. <laughs> Duh. So don't be defensive, but here's another opportunity to go on the offensive. I've got a friend in my life, and, and this guy, man, he has got the heartbeat of God in regards to generosity, ties and offerings within just in the way he lives. Man, this guy walks around like, looking for opportunities to bring blessing to people. And he's told me a story last year. Uh, he and his uh, teenage daughter were walking into a Walmart one Saturday afternoon. 
And uh, while they were walking in, uh, he saw a woman that was holding a sign, and her sign simply said, In need. And so my friend, he looks at his daughter and says, We're going to go talk to her. And she goes, Oh. No, Dad. He goes, No, come on, we're going to go talk to her. And he walked over to her and he said, Excuse me, ma'am. She said, Yes, sir. And he said, I saw your sign, and it says you're in need. What do you need? And the woman was like, I don't know. He goes, well, maybe I can help you. you know, I, I thought I would come over and, and see what you needed. He said, maybe I could maybe I could be of help. I, I'd like to help if I could. She goes, well, I don't know what I need. And so he said, well, what's your story? Why, why are you here today? And she goes, well, this is my daughter. Her 10-year-old daughter was sitting next to her. And she said, we're just, we're just stuck. My husband, he, he got sick. And after he got sick, he couldn't work anymore. And we lost our, our home. And, and so... You know, we don't have anything. And my friend looked at her and said, well, there's a Walmart right here. Can we go in and get you some stuff? And she goes, I, I, I don't have any money. He goes, well, no, I'll buy it. Let's just go get what you need. And she says, well, I don't know if my husband will let me. He said, well, where's your husband? She said, well, he's in our car over there. Well, go ask him. So they went down there and said, I'm too sick to go in, but I guess it'd be okay. So they go in to Walmart. And he said, so what do you mean? Walmart's a big place. And she's like, I, I don't know. And he goes, well, let's get a couple of shopping carts. And this little bit will go to the first aisle. And we'll just look and see if there's anything you need. So they get two carts, they go to the first aisle. He goes, you see anything you need? She goes, well, there's some disinfectant wipes. And you know those can be pretty helpful. And he goes, great, let's get some disinfectant wipes. And so she reaches down on the bottom shelf, and she gets the store brand. And, you know, in the smallest package, he puts it in the cart, and he goes, isn't the Lysol brand better? She goes, well, it is better. He goes, yeah. And he puts those back, and he reaches up on the top shelf and gets the three-pack Lysol. Puts them in the cart. And the mom goes, thank you so much. And the little girl goes, thank you so much. And he goes, you're welcome. What else? What else do you need? And so they start seeing some things, and they put them in the cart. And each time, the mom's like, thank you so much. And the little girl's like, thank you Something, would you help me? She said, Yes. He goes, well, I'm helping you. 
And they kept filling the carts and filling the carts. And the carts are getting full. And then he looked down and noticed the little girl. Her shoes were really rattled. So he looks at the mom and he says, I noticed her shoes are really worn out. I know they sell, sell shoes here. Would you, would, you, would you give her some shoes? She goes, actually, those are my shoes. We share those, too. He said, well, let's go over and let's, let's look at some shoes. And the little girl says, really? Because she didn't have her own pair of shoes. And she runs over to the shoe aisle, and my friend's daughter is helping her, and she runs right up to these shoes. I mean, they catch her eye immediately. And she picks them up, and she's looking at them. And then she looks over here, and there's a pair of the dollars cheaper. So she puts those back and goes like this. And my friend says, no, 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 no. Please. 
things I want to share a cookie with my friend. So she took a cookie and they had another bar. Oh, my friend was just blessing. So they got to their car and they just wept and wept and wept. I said to my friend, I go, dude, how much did that cost? <laughs> If you've discovered Jesus and this ministry has helped you follow him fully, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our Crossroads app or at crossroadsgrace.org slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and follow him fully.